with Radio On The Go News. Brian Fancher reporting. Yesterday morning around 8 o'clock, the Latimer Fire Department was called out on the report of a house fire at 672 190th Street northwest of the city. No injuries reported. Firefighters are on the scene for about two hours. The house is considered to be a total loss. No word on what may have caused the fire. Assisting agencies were the fire departments from Alexander and Coulter, West Franklin and FGH ambulances, and the Franklin County Sheriff's Department. An 18-year-old Mason City man was charged with first-degree robbery by the Mason City Police Department for allegedly carrying out the armed robbery of the Casey store on North Federal Avenue on January 3rd. Jessup Ward was also arrested this week by the Manley Police Department for second-degree burglary, a fourth-degree criminal mischief, third-degree theft, and for trafficking in stolen weapons. Ward is being held at the Worth County Jail. First-degree robbery is a Class B felony punishable by up to 25 years in prison. Thursday morning, the Hardin County Sheriff's Department transported from Sarah Gordo County, 27-year-old Tabor Eller of Hubbard, who was wanted on two Hardin County warrants for probation revocations. Eller is being held at the Hardin County Jail. Thursday night, the Butler County Sheriff's Department arrested 27-year-old Dustin Holm of Green on a warrant for failing to appear from the original charge of possession of a controlled substance second offense. Holm is being held at the Butler County Jail. The Iowa Department of Health and Human Services announced the launch of a multi-platform, multi-audience messaging campaign aimed at educating parents and young Iowans about the dangers of counterfeit pills and fentanyl. The campaign will include television spots with high-profile social media placements on Facebook and Instagram to enhance awareness of counterfeit pills among Iowans age 25 and up. Messaging will also be targeted toward teens and young adults through YouTube and mobile app-targeted banners. HHS also developed a conversation guide for parents. The tool provides parents age-specific information about how to start having this important conversation. The conversation guide can be downloaded from the Your Life Iowa website. Again, that's Your Life Iowa website. Franklin General Hospital has assumed management of the assisting living facility in Hampton, previously operated by Apple Valley. The facility is connected to the hospital and the Franklin Country View nursing home, but has been managed by Apple Valley for the past few years. For the time being, the facility will be called the Franklin General Assisted Living Facility, which is a 21-apartment facility. Franklin General is in the process of making all the required regulatory changes, as well as assessing staffing needs. Michelle Oliver, Franklin Country View Nursing Facility Manager, will also assume management of Franklin General Assisted Living. This week, the Butler County Board of Supervisors received funding requests from the County Fair Board, County Soil and Water Conservation District, and from the eight county libraries. All the amounts requested are the same as from one year ago. In other business, the Butler Supervisors approved an agreement for the Iowa Department of Transportation for the Traer Street Bridge project in green. The Wright County Board of Supervisors during their regular business meeting this week discussed making the Board of Supervisors Zoom meetings available on the county's website via a link. Wright County Information Technology Director Andrew Flagg informed the board that there have been requests to make all of the meetings on the Board of Supervisors available to the public. 
Flagg said the easiest way to do that is to post a link on the county's website then have videos available on the county's YouTube channel as well. The board then approved posting the video links to the website. In other business, the Wright County Board of Supervisors approved the reappointment of Mike Ryerson and Kent Rutherford as commissioners to the Economic Development Board with the terms ending December 31st of 2025. Wide sections of Iowa were hit with a winter storm this week that dumped up to 10 inches of snow, thanks in part to the La Nina weather pattern that's impacting the climate across the continent. Meteorologist Dennis Toddy, director of the USDA's Midwest Climate Hub in Ames, says we've been in La Nina for three straight years now. That's not you know, completely unheard of, but a little bit rare. And, uh, you know, the last couple of years, there have been this idea that, ah, it looks like we may get out of it. Well, this time it really does look like we're probably going to get out of La Nina and start moving towards El Nino. And that usually is a relatively slow process. The La Nina forms when there is a cooling of Pacific Ocean surface temperatures. He says it appears those temps are warming and the La Nina may vanish. It does look like we are starting to weaken relatively quickly, which is not a surprise. But the idea that we could shift very quickly and be in El Nino by, you know, even by next winter would be fairly quick. And some of the projections now have us that we could be in El Nino territory by the end of the growing season. And El Nino occurs when sea surface temperatures rise above normal. Toddy says seeing signs of an El Nino appearing that quickly would be unusual. We do have to look at this with a jaundiced eye, looking at some of these outlooks from that far out, uh, and being able to say, yes, we're going to be there by the end of the growing season. We can't say that with certainty, but certainly I think we, we could consider that we could be in uh, El Nino territory by certainly the fall and maybe even in the end of the growing season. He notes there are concerns an El Nino could add more heat to an already warming climate, which would be foul news for Iowa, most of which remains in very dry or drought conditions. The latest U.S. drought monitor shows that 17% of Iowa has no drought conditions listed this week, mainly along the eastern and south central sides of the state. A majority of the broadcast area remains in a moderate drought. One year ago, over 49% of Iowa had no drought conditions. Three more counties in Iowa are reporting the emerald ash borer, leaving only three of the 99 counties without a reported case of the tree killing insect. The latest counties are Monona, Osceola, and Woodbury. The EAB was first detected in Iowa in 2010. The high in the past 24 hours here at our studios, 29 and the low of 17. For Radio On The Go News, Brian Fincher reporting.